This episode of Tales from the Lot is sponsored by ShakedownT-Shirts.com. With unique lot style t-shirts, license plate frames, coffee mugs, and all sorts of things for Grateful Dead, Fish, Zappa, Panic, and more. ShakedownT-Shirts.com, where all U.S. orders over $35 ship free. And just for Tales from the Lot listeners, use the code LOT20 for 20% off of any order. That's L-O-T-2-0. Hey, real quick, before we kick off this episode of Tales from the Lot, I've got some exciting news to share with you. I've been working on a project called Summer Tour The Game, inspired by our love of following our favorite bands around. It's a tabletop board game where you chase shows, collect ticket stubs, and relive the magic of live music all from your own tabletop. I'm thrilled to announce that the Kickstarter campaign for Summer Tour The Game is launching on May 12th. If you're a fan of this podcast, then I think you're really going to enjoy this game. You can check out a short video and all the details at summertourthegame.com. So whether you're a seasoned road warrior or a tabletop gaming enthusiast or just looking for a new way to connect with friends, I invite you to check out the campaign and consider supporting it. Every pledge and share and word of encouragement makes a difference. I'd love it if you would help spread the word and make Summer Tour the Game a reality. Thank you, everyone, for listening and being a part of this journey. And now on with the episode. Tales from the Lot, episode 0203. It's the soundtrack to your life. Jeff Kerper's here to talk about 123181 at the Oakland Auditorium. Here we go. Welcome to Tales from the Lot. This is Will. My guest today is Jeff Kerper. We're here to talk about 123181 at the Oakland Auditorium. Not the Kaiser, <laughs> oddly enough, at that point. Uh, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you, Will. How are you? Awesome. Yeah. Great, great. Thanks, thanks for being on. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I, w- I will yeah, have it, to, you know. Go ahead. It was, it was the Kaiser. It was the Oakland Auditor. Then they just changed the name. It's the same building. Uh, I, right. think they changed, I think the name changed maybe like eighty, eighty two, eighty three. I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of looking through the history of that, and I noticed like somewhere in the eight, eight, eight like I saw eighty five. It had changed at least by then. So somewhere yeah. in there, yeah. And uh, just. Just as a quick note, that that you may recognize the last name there. We did have uh, uh, Jeff's brother on a few episodes ago, Gary. So I uh, that was one of my favorites. So I fully expect you to blow him away with this one. So <laughs> <laughs> not that it's a competition. Definitely not. <laughs> All right. So um, you know, you you've seen some Grateful Dead shows, but is that where did you come from to get to that? Um, were you like uh, you know like Beatles, Zeppelin kind of guy? What what were you listening to before the Grateful Dead? Uh, in high school, you know, uh, NES, Stones, Beatles, and I moved into Southern rock pretty early. Uh, went to see like Marshall Tucker when I was a sophomore in high school. And so like Marshall Tucker, Allman Brothers, but really Tucker, I was really into them. And, uh, then you, you mentioned my brother. So he went off to college and he had called me and he said, everybody's talking about this band called the Grateful Dead up here. And so I bought him his birthdays in January and I bought him, uh, the album of skeletons from the closet i mean that's what you do right you get the greatest hits and but i got it you know he was away and i so i think i got it in like november or december of uh 76 and i slit the plastic i wanted to hear it man i couldn't wait (laughs) so i slit the plastic i put it on i put the headphones on and i never gave it to him i was like this is pretty good man this is interesting stuff so i that was my first exposure to them and then um, a friend from high school lent me uh, Skull and Roses and Europe 72, and it was all over. I mean, you know, just the headphones in my in my room with Bertha, 
And it's like, wow, this is different. This is not like unlike anything I've ever heard before. And then, you know, China Cat from, from Europe 72, Jack's Drum. There's just so many great songs. And that was it. You know, full speed, we were into it. Um, and then the Dead movie came out also uh, before I ever saw the band, you know. And so we went to see, we went to see the movie. It was a huge, you know, field trip. And, wow. And we were like, oh, my God, are we ever going to get to see this? Band? You know, it really gives you this feeling that you know, like people are waiting in line and stuff like that. We're like, will I, will I ever get <laughs> to see the Grateful Dead? And then they, um, I remember driving in the summer and they announced that they were playing at English Town with Marshall Tucker opening up. I mean, what oh, are the chances? What are the chances? Was Marshall Tucker the New Riders or the New Riders Marshall Tucker and the Grateful Dead at English Town? And I just, you know, you turn on the road. I went to pick up my friend. We used to have to drive down to like the Macy's or the Alexander's in White Plains, New York, and get go to Ticketmaster. We were probably right. the first people in the entire East Coast to buy tickets. We were waiting at the window for them to open up. And of course, you know, it was almost unlimited seating. It, it didn't sell out. There was no such thing. I mean, they were going to let as many people in as they could. There was about a hundred and a quarter there maybe 150,000 it was a massive concert and 16 of us drove down it was the labor day before senior year of high school and we had two station wagons with eight guys in each station wagon and it was a <laughs> memorable moment in my life i mean <laughs> yeah you know you know, forget about festivals but like the grateful dead would have shows with multiple bands they're playing two or three sets and that wasn't unusual, and, and and it's not billed as a festival at all. It's like, hey, we're going to play, and we're going to have a whole lot of people there. And uh, yeah, that's you know where the whole festival thing started, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't that out of the ordinary at that time. Yeah, the music started at noon and ended at midnight. It was three bands, and it was just yeah. it was brutally hot and just you know a lot of interminable delays. But it was uh, <laughs> it was a tremendous experience. So we were we were on the bus, you know, and then all of senior year we were on the bus, and and. Uh, so my brother had seen Cornell before English Town. Mm -hmm. he, so so he saw that show, and then in the in the fall he went up, and I think he saw uh, Rochester and Colgate. And, There's no uh, doubt he was raving about this band, trying to get you to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were. <laughs> we, no, we, by, by the time we saw them, we were a hundred percent on board. I mean, we were. You know, we'd been read the Kool Aid Acid Test and really got into all the. You know, there was there was magazines. You know, before there was relics. There was Dead Relics. It was like the precursor. It was just just a Grateful Dead uh, fanzine, and they would, you know, you couldn't get that information anywhere else. They would have the set lists and 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 you know stories from the road. It's like wow, there was no internet. I mean, this was really inside information. It was great, right? Right, and then that turned into like the the Dupree, Dupree's Diamond News at some point. I remember in my era of going to see him in the in the nineties, I was always looking forward to finding whoever was handing those out totally free uh you know to boot and and uh seeing you know where where they've been playing what they've been playing what i could what i could expect to see uh typically in deer creek or wherever i was there in the midwest but uh yeah so you saw the, the english town which that was, was the first, first time yeah and, and was, then and, and then in the in the spring they play we saw i went up to uh, rpi in uh may of 78 and then they, they played at new haven which is about a 50 minute drive from from the town i grew up in and we got 40 tickets for the high school class i mean eight wow. guys went down and got five tickets each or maybe five guys went down and got eight tickets anyway there were 40 tickets and so 
everybody you know who was slightly interested went and it was (laughs) it was uh it was a mind mind uh altering experience it was really my first that was my my first time seeing them and getting the the full electric experience if you know what i'm saying right and uh and so that was really um shocking shock i didn't really i didn't know music could be that good i didn't know you could have that kind of experience in life just like Blue, I would say it blew my mind that I haven't yet recovered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, they do that. <laughs> they do that. They do uh, that. Yeah. So that, that was like your senior trip or something then, right? Like, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, and then I followed them. You know, then I started college and I started seeing them a lot. I, was, I went to college in Virginia, so I saw them on the, uh, you know, Hampton area, Baltimore bunch, D.C. Uh, I would come up to the Northeast when I could and just mix it up. And then uh, by 81, I'd probably seen, I would guess maybe you know, 35 shows. I was pretty diligent in high school. You know, you could see them. They, yeah. they would come around the East coast two or three times a year and you just have to work it out and see as many as you could. And it was going to be my 21st. My, my birthday is new year's day. And my 21st birthday was going to be at midnight, uh, 12, 31, 81. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I flew out to San Francisco for the week of shows. Uh, you know, I had a friend who um, was living there, and so I had a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And they had tickets for all of the the run leading up to New Year's. We didn't have New Year's tickets yet, but we were working on it. And I saw uh, I saw that week of shows. So that was really the first time I'd seen you know a, a block like that, mm-hmm. and also my first time seeing shows in California, which is. Really, a big difference from shows on the East Coast. From the the noise level, the energy level. Um, I mean, the fans obviously are just as into it, but it's not um, much more respectful of the music. Quieter, just um, sometimes you know. Sometimes it's good, you know. They're playing Stella Blue, and some guys not going, "Hey, Jerry," you know. Uh, but um, sometimes you want. The, I mean, on the East Coast, when they would. When they would go crazy, I mean, the fans would go crazy, and it was just uh, the, the, the roof would blow off the place. So that kind of thing was different. So it, you, you were working on New Year's tickets, and uh, how did I how got did one outside. I can't really remember. I mean, we got there early, and, I did, you know, just ask everybody. It was a little bit easier ticket than it was later on, but it was still New Year's, and... Yeah. Uh, unbeknownst to me, it, I'm pretty sure this is true. Uh, Jerry married Mountain Girl that night. I mean, mm-hmm. it was probably not an official ceremony. They probably were considered common law uh, spouse anyway. But um, and so the entire family was there. I mean, everybody that was ever anybody mm-hmm. in the Grateful Dead universe was there. And so in that sense, I think it was a little tougher ticket. I don't know. I we just needed one. I don't know. Uh, I just needed the one and we got it. I, I, uh, I know we missed the flying Karamazov of brothers because that was the opening act. And then, um, and then it started and, um, they came out with acoustic instruments and Joan Baez played a set with the dead as the backing band. Apparently, um, Mickey and Joan Baez were dating at that time. Oh, gotcha. So she was, so she was hanging. Unfortunately, and, that's not that's not. I was got on the archive to listen to this one, and there's a really great copy of this of the show. But but that set's not on there, and it, and I, it did mention. 
I have but, that. I can bring oh, that for you if you'd like. I, was, I can. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Um, but it did mention the Mountain Girl Jerry wedding. It seems like it was official. And I was actually almost late to hop on here with you because I was down the rabbit hole on like the Mountain Girl <laughs> Wikipedia page. I'm like, oh crap. I'm supposed to be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they, they did officially get married that day. And, uh, yeah. After dating for 16 years. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you know Charlie Miller, the, the, uh, the guy, the engineer has been putting a ton of, ton of stuff on the archive as well as other places. Anyway, he, mm-hmm. um, I have a I have a um a download of the entire show, including Joan Baez's from him, and the and the quality is really sweet. So nice. nice. I, I just got that recently. Yeah, I can I can set you up. Um, and you know, it was um so I, if I went, if I can just go back a little bit and talk a little bit more about uh, just the California thing. The the sure. show that's totally under the radar is twelve twenty seven eighty one, which you know it's just. What it was just another random, amazing show of the Grateful Dead, one that's not that well known or not that you know talked about or you know not on Mount Rushmore of all the Grateful Dead shows of all time, but mm-hmm. <clears throat> blew me away. I mean, we were, I was just, just it was my for the first first wheel I'd ever seen. It was just, it was a tremendous show. Just and after, right after it ended. You know, in 1981, when you're when you're in 1981, you think that the 60s was a really long time ago. <laughs> but now that you're now you're here in, in 2022, 1981 doesn't sound like it's that far away from 1965. You know, and they were there, the continuity was strong, especially in San Francisco. I mean, mm-hmm. if you were if you were 18 years old in 1965, in 1981 you were you know 33. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of 33-year-old heads there who had been there back in the day. And I mean, after the concert, like 100, 200 people like linked arms in the middle of the floor and just started swaying back and forth and like that. And it was it was the most uh, it was the most trippy thing I've ever done. I mean, I just got welcomed into that. I just grabbed arms of total strangers and it's like, oh, this is a little bit what it was like in the Trips Festival and the Acid Test. I mean, this is, it's like unbelievable, the, the continuity of that kind of stuff. It really, I mean, it went through the entire Grateful Dead, even, even right to the end. I mean, there, that was still going on. I've been, I've been at shows where they, they handed out LSD from the soundboard. They, they, there was like, you know, a, uh, a carton with eight big cups of water. And the soundboard says, here, take a sip and pass it on. And I mean, and everybody on the floor had some, you know, that was a little late to that party, unfortunately. (laughs) That was, that was, uh, that was 1979. So, you know, I mean, so the thing was still happening, you know what I mean? Even though it was 15 years after uh, the acid test. So anyway, so that was, that's what I mentioned in that 1231, 1227.81. Is uh, one of my one of my favorite shows. Um, I had my dead base open here, so when you said it, I, I yeah, just flipped yeah. the page over to it. The final passenger, which I love that song. You know, you know what's weird? The night, night be- before they say that they played the eleven, and I was there. I don't, I, I, I didn't really remember. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, oh man, I would have, I probably would have uh, recognized that. You think? I went back, mm-hmm. I listened to it. You can kind of hear it a little bit, but it was pretty, uh, pretty vague. Um, it's like when you see Mountain Jam, you're like, eh, maybe it was, maybe, maybe, it was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, and so then, um, and then New Year's, uh, it was, it was just, you know, the spectacle of New Year's was something that I didn't know. I had no, you know, again, there's no internet, there's no video, there's no YouTube. You can't want, you had no idea unless you knew somebody who was at New Year's and saw the Grateful Dead. I had heard that Bill Graham came down in 1977 on a, on a joint. I didn't really know what that meant, but they said that, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, so they do the whole first set. That was great. I have the shakedown is particularly awesome. And then a long break between b- before New Year's, like they leave at like 11, 15, like a 45 minute break. And I, and I, I moved out to California in 83. So I saw another eight, New Year's, so I, I, you know, that was like my birthday. I mean, I'm definitely going to see as many New Years as I can, and that 45 minutes leading up to New Year's at a Grateful Dead concert, you have never seen people partying so hard in your life. <laughs> I mean, they're like two fisted, just trying to ingest whatever they can. I mean, people breaking out champagne bottles from their fake bottoms of their of their camera cases, and people doing whippets up on the balcony, and I mean, just let's like people really getting getting revved up because you know they're just gonna play it you know it's the most safe space you can be in it's like it's like waiting at, at in Times square for midnight but they don't the grateful dead doesn't play at midnight can you imagine if then they play for another three hours it's really yeah. amazing uh, you know um, look like that that same energy transferred over to the stage i mean like as i'm listening to it uh it, it just sounds like a party on stage. It really does. Oh. And, the, and of course they've got people from new writers and, and John Bias coming out and, and doing all kinds uh, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and it yeah. just, it just, it, you know, I took away from listening to this. Like, that was a hell of a party. It was a hell of a party. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matt, Matt Kelly's playing some harp on there. Uh, I yeah. think Erico and Flor Parima playing some, some drums and John, John Cipollina comes out and plays on Not Fade Away. Uh, John Baez comes out and sings on, um, it's all over no baby blue. So that really, uh, and then about five minutes before midnight, this cable gets lowered above from the stage. <laughs> and Ken Kesey is like suspended from this cable. What's amazing is you can you can watch this stuff on YouTube. It's uh, you know, that's what we do on New Year's is like go back and relive something. I mean, you were there, and it's like there that my 21st birthday. I can watch it. It's amazing. Anyway, yeah. uh they lower, they lower Ken Kesey. And he's like dangling and he's got the microphone and he's doing all that. And he leads the entire Oakland auditorium in hyperventilating. I don't know if you did this when you were in high school, but we, you know, we like cheap thrills, you know, where you, you hyperventilate and then hold your breath or whatever and just get a rush, right? Anyway, he said, this is something we used to do with the answer test. I want you to hold your neighbor's arms. I want to make sure nobody falls, nobody hurts themselves. Hold on to somebody. And he gets everybody to like deep breathing in unison, leading right up to midnight. So, like, not only is everybody has <laughs> ingesting everything they brought, now you're hyperventilating in unison, and <laughs> and then you know Bill Graham comes down in this spaceship like on guy wires, and he's flying across the top of the uh, arena, and he's throwing like he's he's dressed up as Father Time, and he's throwing like bomblets they just come i don't know they're, not, they're just like exploding in midair <laughs> and he finally gets to the stage and they lower it down and ten thousand balloons fall from the sky and confetti and every house light goes up full blast and they blast into ico ico 
And I was, I mean, I, I think you can get my enthusiasm. I was so, I didn't know, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, I mean, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. My head was exploding. I was as high as I've ever been. And it was just, it was, it was mind boggling. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it just, it translates so well. I like, they're just like that. I, I remember that's the tape I wore out back in the day, just because I mean, things like that. Ico, it's not a song I love, but man, that one's so good with just all the energy so and the, everybody just joining in. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I think there was a trumpet and, and I didn't really realize that. And I knew Joan Baez helped in this version. And I was listening and I was like, is that Joan Baez sounding like Yoko Ono? And then it took me a minute and I'm like, oh no, that's a trumpet. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. There's definitely no trumpet on stage. There was no oh, trumpet on stage. So, I mean, so it might have been Joan Baez. Oh, no, you know what it is? There's a, uh, I think it's, um, it's Matt Kelly on harmonica. Okay. It, like, it had a trumpet sound. It, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah. At first, it sounded like a vocal, uh, like a female vocal, and I, and I was really concerned, but, but it was yeah. okay. Listen yeah. to it again. It's, it's harmonica. Um, right. Weirdly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyway, so that was amazing. And then, you know, and then after I go, the hot spots come down, they go into playing the band, and. You're like, all oh, right, you know, I, I say goodbye to my friends. I'm like, catch you later. I'm going to, I'm going into the, into the hive. You know, want to go in and uh, commune with, uh, with my brethren and um, just dance. It was just, you know, um, I don't know. It was like the best I've ever danced in my life. You know, you're just standing there. There was, I just remember there was like, like where the the portal was to go out into the into the hallway so there was a light there there were people walking past and i was sitting there just going crazy and dancing and like these hot chicks would walk by and they would dance with me and i was like you know i mean it was really it was uh, it was incredible and then i um i started getting uh sick to my stomach must have been something i ate um and uh maybe I and too, so, much too fast <laughs> <laughs> maybe and uh so i went into i thought i had to throw up so i went in the bathroom and i had a couple of dry heaves i was like you know shit, I was, you know breaking out in a sweat and i came out and like just some total strangers just there and it's like dude man are you okay and i'm like i, I think I'm okay you know it's like it's cool happy new year like the guy gave me a big hug and i watched him it was just you know the, the the spirit that goes on there the 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 uh the love for your fellow uh, your fellow deadhead at especially at a, at a thing like that um was yeah. just incredible so i went back in and i was still a little shaky on my feet and i just walked up into the into to try to find a seat and i it was the same thing happened you know i sat i i was like you know can i sit here and they're like, well, you know, my my girlfriend, I'm like, you know, I'm not, really not feeling well. They're like, oh, please, please, you know, let me move the jacket. Come out, have a seat, you know, can I get you some water? Can I do anything? People were just total strangers, you know. And um, and they, I was so confused. They did Playing the Band into Terrapin Station, back into Playing the Band, and I thought the concert was going to be over. <laughs> you know, that would be the end of the second set. And so they finished playing the band and they went into their drum solo. I was like, what the, you know, man. And they come out after the drums. And you I mean, you see, it's, it's like, uh, the other one, not fed away going down the road morning, do yeah. I just like, 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 like just, just let's, like, let's just roll out the big guns. It's incredible. This is the show and, everybody wants to see. <laughs> exactly. You know, and then, and then Bill Graham comes out and says, they're going to play another set. And I mean, the, the roar that went up when, <laughs> when that happens, it's, you know, it was already like 2 a.m. And he's like, we're going to, they're going to play another set. And I'm like, all right, I got to go find my friends and, 
you know, so it was just, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was such a memorable night. And then yeah. like at four in the morning, my, my buddies just drove into the airport. I caught like a six thirty AM flight back <laughs> to New York. And I'm, in, I'm on the plane, you know, going, Oh my God, you know, you know, you know what I just, you know, and of course, nobody <laughs> cares, you know, you're telling the, you're telling the flight attendant, it's like, Hey, you know, that was such an amazing concert. <laughs> what about the freedom of a band to say, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and play another set, a band <laughs> that size to a crowd that size and everybody stays. Uh, that's not going to happen these days, probably too much. It won't, but I mean, that, that was not <laughs> that unusual. You know, they played the extra set uh, at the closing of Winterland. And so that was kind of, um, we were, you know, secretly hoping for that. It was like, it wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe they're playing another set. It's like, right. yes, they're playing another. And, and, sure. and they have, and, and they played Dark Star. Yeah, so there's yeah. That. yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, <laughs> it's been like, exactly. well, like three years since I'd played Dark Star or something like right, that. Right. Right. Uh, uh, it was a pretty good one too. Uh, there was, yeah, it's a, uh, it's nice and mellow in spots and like just Jerry just just floating melodies over the top of it. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I it just personally, I think by that point, it was I was I was kind of spent. I mean, I all my emotion had been expended so many times over over the evening that it was just it was just great it was satisfying but it wasn't like memorable i wasn't as locked into the music for the for the last set as i had been for the uh especially that stuff after the drums was really were really yeah. memorable yeah it's, you know, that's to be expected after like seven hours or how long however long you'd been there by that point <laughs> uh yeah you know I, i'm i'm feeling pretty wiped after two sets a lot of times exactly <laughs> so, yeah, I exactly, exactly. I, and I, was, I was young i mean i was 20 i was 21 so i had youthful energy and i had uh, electricity coursing through my system so i had that yeah. going for me but uh yeah uh tremendous thing it was really i i mean i i remember getting back home and and i was you know i was like on break before i had to go back to college i was sleeping until like two two in the afternoon just like like I was in like this twilight where I was just dreaming about the show. I would just for hours, I would just dream about being back at the concert. And it was just, mm -hmm. it was really <laughs> awesome. I know, I know that dream. I've had that dream. <laughs> and I, and, I we had, and once I moved to California, I had friends that would fly out every year for new year's. It's like, I have to come out for the balloons. It's all about the balloons. And like the first time my, she, uh, my wife went, I was like, remember at midnight, keep your mouth closed and she didn't pay attention and she was just like ah and got a mouthful of confetti <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i never did make it to a new year's show i was always catching like spring and summer stuff but uh yeah yeah of course i always wanted you know. to yeah yeah, I, yeah I was well, on the West you know, Coast it's, my, it's my birthday so i have a i have a valid excuse and uh and then you know we'd fill up the house with, with guests people come it was really that was the best thing ever basically yeah that's awesome <laughs> Yeah. So, and then, so how many times, how many shows did you see all together? Uh, just short of 200, probably like, um, depends how you count it, but in, in the low one nineties, I would say, you know, I mean, the, the account, um, them playing at the Bill Graham Memorial where they played like, um, you know, an hour hmm. accounts. Yeah. yeah. You know? That's a lot I of shows. Either way you count it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So hell yeah, it was a good. Oh so, yeah, no, my, my, so that's about that. I, I, I know, I'm no, I know, I'm not a 200. And I know I'm north of 190. So, um, yeah, it was easier out there in California. I mean, you can see, you can see 15 shows and not go more than an hour. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so just local shows. We lived in Berkeley, lived in Oakland, uh, lived in San Francisco. You know, the furthest would be like um, Cal Expo in Sacramento. Love that place. You know, they play at the Kaiser. They play at the Oakland Auditorium. I mean, the, the Oakland Coliseum. There'd be a couple outdoor shows, the Frost, the Greeks. You didn't have yeah. to go very far. You could see a lot of shows. And the yeah, Shoreline, all that later. In, yeah. Exactly. Shoreline, <laughs> yeah. I had a, well, Our friend had a... Um, she worked for the Gap, and she had a box at Shoreline. The Gap has a box, so like it's the back of the first section, and there's wait and there's waitress service and room to dance. Yeah. So I mean, what, what more? What more can you want? So, that was <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't yeah. particularly love that venue, but I like Cal Expo. That was a that's an underrated, really fun. You know, no no rookies at Cal Expo. Only uh, only experienced deadheads would show up. It was great. You know, sunshine bare feet perfect california experience yeah i I remember listening to a lot of cal expo tapes in my life (laughs) good stuff there uh yeah i'm I'm trying to think of a particular date but it escapes me right now uh of this one cal expo they they definitely they i'd say once i moved to cal starting you know 80 83 84 they all kind of blend together. The early ones I have a really clear memory of. I know I can tell you what they played. You know, I really clear memory. But whatever, if you see, you know, forty shows at the Kaiser over over twelve years, it's pretty hard to separate them after a while. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. <laughs> but but this one, <laughs> that, that one, that one, that easily, one etched sure. in my memory, boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, are you still? Uh, do you still see Bob and and Dead and Company and any any of the? I do not. No? I do not. I I uh, I started. You know, right when when they started. I guess it was um, the other ones was the first one. You know, and then early Phil and Friends. Uh, that was good, and then was Warren Haynes in the other ones? Is that right? Uh, uh, no, I think it was um, uh, Jimmy Her- Herring Herring Herring. Oh. Uh, yeah, there were two me. guitar players, um, but anyway, I don't know. I started. I started leaving it intermission. Not the first. The first two or three times, I enjoyed it, and then emotionally, I don't know. I was. I was. It wasn't really um, resonating with me. I really miss Jerry. It was a little bit. It seemed a little bit too much like like a, a cover band of the real thing. Even even I don't know. Sometimes it was better than others. I saw the one with uh, when. Uh, Joan Osborne was with the band they played at the Garden. I think mm-hmm. they were called. I, I remember the names anyway. Um, but like I said, I saw Phil and Friends probably you know ten times in the last five times I left at intermission. Uh, it's like you know, it's just it's just not. I don't know. I, I, whatever. It's just not that satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was really cool that it continues. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's very, very validating for me that the music that I love continues to resonate with younger people and people that never saw the band or whatever. And, and it's kind of like this repertoire thing where like the Duke Ellington orchestra just plays for another 50 years. I mean, it's, it's totally cool. And, um, but personally I don't really go. Yeah. So. And and that's, I see that when I go to those kind of things, if I go see like J rad, for instance, um, people are really enthusiastic and love that band. Um, and you know, and and it's a lot of younger people, which I think is really cool, and it speaks to what really you said cool. about it that it does stick around, and and they're doing something a little different with it. Uh, you know, who knows what will happen uh, to people here who are listening to J Rad? Because you know, it's like 
it's like you've got the product and it kind of goes through a blender and then it goes through another blender through JRAD. And then all these people are listening to this. What's going to come out of the other side of that uh, in 10 years or so? Uh, it's, yeah. it's fun to hear the, the evolution of it all. And, and uh, you know, Bob's still holding the torch uh, for another no, summer at least. <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah. I think it's great. The whole thing is great. Um, but, I, you know, I, I've spent so much time listening to tapes and going through the archive and stuff like that i i started a uh, an instagram page where i highlight um mostly just cuts either either segments of songs specific like you got to hear this little you know 50 second part or or whole whole songs my my favorite versions and things like that and uh sometimes tell some more stories in there it's called chestnuts from the archive is my instagram page and uh uh Hope everybody checks it out. Uh, yeah, try we'll to, put that in the show uh, try, to be, try to be entertaining as possible. Chestnuts awesome. from the archive. Yeah. And so, all right. So, uh, what's some of them that you've picked out for that um, recently? Uh, so it's all over the place. I mean, I I'm a little bit stuck in '78 because I I think that it's under underappreciated, and they, I think the highs are higher than any other time. Like certainly post. Um, post hiatus from 76 on it's like straight line just gets bigger and bigger right through right through the end of 78 and so like the really hot versions of whether it's you know deal loser uh you know sugary whatever whatever any first it's on mystery happens in 78 they just they just blow it out it's really fun to kind of pick out things i don't really know about especially younger, you know, how, how, uh, deep into the archive or the, 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 just the body work. I mean, they they probably released 500 CDs already. I mean, how many shows have the Grateful Dead put out officially <laughs> probably 500. And then you've got, you've got right. the entire archive is available to you. And then, and then forget about the archivalers. It's just like the, the normal body of work with there. So, I mean, if you're new to the thing, where do you start? What do you listen to? You have no idea. And so, uh, you know, they can come and listen to my page and I'll, I'll uh, take you by the hand and show you the best of the best. You know, my favorite Stella Blue, seven eighteen seventy six. you know, my favorite Dance in the Street. I like uh, 5, 6, 70, et cetera, you know. Oh, and, cool. um, you know, it's just one man's opinion, but whatever. It's fun. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that, that sounds fantastic. Um, it, it, if you're looking for good transitions, um, I just spoke to somebody last week about three eighteen ninety five. Uh, it's a later show, I know, but uh, the transition from playing in the band to Uncle John's band is like the smoothest, coolest, neatest thing you'll hear. Three eighteen ninety five. Three eighteen ninety five. It's like twenty five thirty seconds long, but just it's just beauty, just beauty as it happens. You know, I, I mean, I, the whole band is great, of course. I mean, everybody, everybody is a part. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know incredible interplay but i mean jerry garcia his guitar his guitar playing you know later on he would forget words a lot his his voice was a little ragged and stuff like that he always delivered i mean yeah. it, it's like when it's jerry's turn to take the solo he understands it's like right here and it's, it's um, i mean you just listen to a hundred versions of a song and it's always great it's and crazy the soul the soul in it like it, it, it he's Maybe he has an off night, but but when that Stella Blue comes around or, or whatever it is, when it's, it's his moment to really be out front, totally. he's going to show you. Completely uh, agree. Yeah. 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 
So you, you mentioned uh, seeing the Grateful Dead movie in the theater, like when it came out. But- yeah. So so we we were we were we were, we were still in high school, and you know I I uh, whatever we just went, and then mm-hmm. um, my freshman year of college, I got the Grateful Dead movie as a fundraiser for our dorm. And heads came from miles around for that. So that was really cool. So they, you know, played it like the, you know, the auditorium. Uh, anyway, so so we did that. And then and then the, uh, I went up and visited my friend at, at GW and they had the movie there. We saw it. And then it came to, to another theater in Charlottesville. So, I mean, I, I saw the movie a lot and it's really good. Uh, if you're in, especially if you're in the right frame of mind, it's really yeah. good. You know, it can get a little long and spacey and slow, so you kind of have to be geared up to watch a movie like that because it's you long. Do. But it's really they, they pack a lot in there and yeah. um, make it very, really visually appealing. From the first thirty seconds, exactly, it's, it's amazing till the end. Uh, exactly. I, I have a, I, I turned some friends on to the dead. Uh, through that movie as I, I was going and I was playing some tapes for him. And they, you know, I wanted to give him some visual and uh, that's really all I had at the time, maybe uh, dead ahead or something, but Grateful Dead movies better. So we were watching it and um, my friend's father who um, owns a major Christian music label. Uh, like, what is this? And we told him, he's like, well, this is, this is interesting. And, and we said, well, we're going to go here in a couple of weeks. Do you want to go with us? And he's like, sure, I'll go with you. Uh, so it was interesting and, and he came and, and he had a good time. And then the following year, uh, he ended up going with my friend's mother and they had a picnic up on the lawn at Deer Creek and, and they just loved it. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it was a really, really interesting to see this gentleman take to it, but, uh, um, you know, he loved it and he thought it was good music and he understood what was going on around him and eh, whatever, you know, the, mu- the, the music is everything at the end yeah. of the day, the music is the reason for all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's, that, that's what drew, drew him in. That's what drew me in. And, and that's the best part of it really. There's, there's a lot of fringe benefits, but it's, you know, we're, we were there to see Jerry and, and the boys and, and, exactly. and Jerry, <laughs> he was just, you know, he could, he could bring a tear to your eye or, or whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard to, when you talk to other people about the music they like or the music you like, the, the impact that the Grateful Dead has had on my life the uh, is really hard to to compare to other people's experience with their music. I don't want to, you know, it's just whatever. It's just this constant thread that's been in my life since I was 16 years old. You know, I'm 61. It's 45 years of complete obsession, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. A, and you you mentioned the circle and on the floor after the show, and it uh, a lot of times I, I kind of think of the, the Grateful Dead as like a tribe or, you know, a culture on, among itself and, you know, a tribe, you know, we have our own language sort of and our own things that we do. And it, and it really, when you mentioned that, that, that brought that to mind that, you know, that's part of the whole community and everybody just getting together and doing something together. That's not on a screen you know, <laughs> these days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's I, hard I, to pull that off on zoom, you know, <laughs> well, you know, life and society and technology has changed so much. So it's, so it's a little bit hard to compare things now to what it was like back then. Cause we, that wasn't, you know, we never, nobody ever thought about that, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really, um, they closed the doors, man. And anything could happen. Yeah. The, you know, the, the tribe's yeah. still out here. We are, we're everywhere. <laughs> we are everywhere. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, nice. All right. So, um, 
give me a recommendation to something. I, you know, I think that the deadheads, you know, they, they find the Grateful Dead because they're smart uh, people ser- searching and seeking for things. And uh, what's something else besides that that you found? Maybe it's an album, a, a book, a movie. So uh, music wise, I'm a big bluegrass fan. I listen to a lot of bluegrass. And uh, actually, there's a, you're in Colorado. There's a band from Colorado. I like a new band. Well, not that new, but they're called Trout Steak Revival. Okay. Trout Steak Revival. They probably mm-hmm. have four or five discs out. And I think they're, they're about my favorite newer bluegrass band. I like, you know, I like, I like bluegrass and all, all stripes, but right. really like those guys. Um, I have heard them. And I, yeah. And I, they definitely check them out. They don't come east very much at all, unfortunately. If you see them, tell them I want to see them. Tell them all to right. come here. Yeah. I will. Um, Hopefully they will see <laughs> there you go and um there's a book i read um it's called i have it written down it's called i'll take you there it's uh it's the history of the staple singers mm-hmm. um mavis and pops and the whole crew and it's basically well, it's basically it's a book about the civil rights movement seen through the prism of of the stable singers and their rise because they were, they, they knew Martin Luther King and they were right there at, at all the marches and they were, and, and anyway, fabulous book that right there, you know, kind of like, I, you know, you know, um, Dennis McNally mm-hmm. wrote, uh, he was the biographer and he, but the reason he was the biographer is because he had written, he wrote the book on Jack Kerouac. That was basically American history from the end of, world war two through the sixties through the prism of Jack Kerouac. It's called a desolate angel, I think. And then Jerry and Jerry read that. And he's like, I want you to be our biographer. And so (laughs) really the second book, the, the, the long strange trip is the history of the United States from, from the beginning of the sixties to, you know, the nineties through the prism of the grateful dead. So it's kind of a fascinating, like, bookend thing. And and I think that the author's name of uh, I'll Take You There is Greg Cott, K-O-T. And he's kind of doing the same thing with the civil rights movement through through the uh, the stable singers. Love that book. Gotcha. So, yeah. okay, you've got a pretty massive collection of books right behind you there. Can I ask, Is do I see Be Here Now up there? Uh, I don't think so. Because okay. Okay. <laughs> My wife's a travel writer, and those are oh. most, that's most of her travel books. And I, although gotcha. you could say that "Be Here Now" is kind of a travel book, but um, <laughs> it could not that. Yeah, that's no, there was no, like no, a we, thick purple spine there. That I was like, oh, it looks like. Uh, yeah, <clears> no, we <throat> we might have that somewhere, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be here. No. <laughs> it wouldn't be in with the travel. Yeah, the travel yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on, Jeff. I appreciate it and you sharing your story and. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to be there. I wanted I want to be at twelve thirty one eighty one right now. Uh, you know, it's it's a valid reason for for uh, to, you know. I mean, whatever. I, I when I pe- when I when I see people who who don't know the Grateful Dead, it's like wow, you don't know what you're missing. That's yeah. what I think. You know, I know it's a little uh, a little self centered, whatever. But um, I just you know I've gotten so much joy out of the music for so many years, and it's so satisfying and just soothes my soul in so many ways. And um, I don't know whether other other people uh, have the same relationship to their music as that, because it's really yeah. been uh, just the constant constant theme through my life. Constant, but yeah, that's the word I was going to use. It's like one of those just constant things. It's it's, it's, it's always, always there. there. It's always it's there. The, uh, 
the soundtrack exactly. to your life. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, All right, Will. Great right, speaking thank to you. you. All right. You as well. Take care. Hey, now, do you have a great story about a Grateful Dead show you were at? I'd love to hear it and maybe have you on the podcast. Send me an email at will at talesfromthelot.org and let me know what show you would like to talk about and what made it so special to you.